try to fight back. And every time I would, he would tell me, ha, huh, who is going to believe you? Like, I would, I would tell, don't touch me, I'm going to tell my mom. He would say, your mother is not, is not going to believe you. She's going to expel you from the house for what you are doing. You know, I felt like I am a, a partner in this crime because I didn't say anything at the beginning. But Yelena, you know what's, what's interesting? Later on, I realized. Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy, but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. I am so excited about today's guest. Today's guest is Anna Ditchburn, and Anna is the kind of brave that this world needs right now. She is a child who was abandoned by her father at the age of four, and then Basically, the reign of terror started for her when her stepfather came to the family and committed systematic sexual abuse from the age of 15 until 21. There's a huge story in there about the shame of incest, the shame of rape. And Anna was just telling me just before we started here today that four years ago, she would not have been able to speak about this because the shame was so deep. So welcome, Anna. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. Thank you for coming and thank you for being so brave. Because the thing about this show is that not everyone is prepared to say, yep, this is what I'm ashamed about. Yep, this is what I'm ashamed about. But you did straight away. You said, yes, I'll come on and I'll, I'll speak about whatever I need to speak about. So thank you so much. And so give us a little bit of a background before it started for you in terms of this reign of terror. Tell us about what life was like growing up. Yeleni, before I jump into the into the story, I just want to say something. You call me a brave woman. And uh, as I am healing, I'm learning a lot about bravery and courage. Someone just recently actually called me the courage queen. And I was thinking, the courage queen, Yes, I am brave to talk about, but it's actually, it's not the thing that I am brave. And I will explain to you why. Because, you know, when someone uh, offended the child or hit him, what does he do? He, he run to the parents and he, he, tell them, he tells them. Or if someone hit your car, you're not being brave to go to the police station and report your car because someone did a damage to your body, right? But when it comes to the sexual abuse, and it's still, it's still just an abuse. It's not just an abuse, but it's still an abuse. And someone did a damage to your body and to your, uh, to your mental health. Why we not go to people and speak up about this? Because it's so normal when someone hurts you, you go and, and talk about. But 
what would really um, what really be brave is if the perpetrator would come out and say, "I did this, and I'm sorry." Mm-hmm. That's bravery. That's courage. But for us, especially childhood sexual abuse survivors, it should be so normal to go and speak up about this. What you're saying is right because. Um, that's what we're trying to do here with this show is normalise it. So when I say normalise it, it doesn't sound right because what do you mean normalise it? But make it okay, make it brave that you are speaking up about what happened to you so other people can too and say, it wasn't me, this is something that happened. And even though there's all these stories that we put in our head about, well, I allowed it to happen or I was at this age or whatever the story is and we're going to go through your stories in a minute, you know, it's it's a story that you believed was a shame story that reflected somehow on you. But before we do that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, let's go back to back to your story about how it all started for you. Everything started when I was four years old, when my biological father left our family and never returned. And it was back in Russia when I was born. And my mom just overnight became a 24 years old, a single mother of two. My younger brother was just nine months old. And it was during the Russian economic depression. We were struggling a lot and financially and physically and mentally. Now, when I think back, she was still a child. When I, when I remember myself at 24, I can't even imagine growing two kids and working on two jobs, including a night shift. And at four years old, I felt like this is my fault that my biological father left. I didn't know what was happening, but I remember the the moment um, I told him something about my mom. She was doing something naughty and I caught her. And I, you know, like a child, you want to go and run to your dad and just talk about this. And he, he didn't take it on a good way. And I remember he was literally physically abusing her in front of my eyes. And it stuck with me. And I felt so guilty. And now I just jumping forward, I didn't realize that that was the case because I completely forgot about this. And subconsciously, I was trying to be a good girl after this, just doing everything right, uh, everything for people, so people don't leave me and they like me. And after six years of our struggles, when I was 10 years old, my, my stepfather came into our life. You know, the knight in shining armor. We thought, finally, we have our support, we have our provider, we have a man in our life. But very soon we realized how horribly abusive and manipulative he was. He was an army guy and he also went through some childhood trauma when his father was an alcoholic and he was beating literally shit out of him. And so he was inflicting this pain on the on us two kids i was 10 years old my brother was six years old and when my brother did something wrong in my stepfather's understanding my stepfather grabbed his leather belt army leather belt he dragged my brother into the bedroom and 
we just could hear my brother yelling and screaming and begging for help. Mm. And we couldn't do anything because my mom got scared. I got scared. I tried to break in, but my mom grabbed me. She, she covered my ears and we were just waiting until my stepfather was done. After this, my brother and I learned how to walk on the eggshells very quick, how to obey the rules. Because we thought, you know, he's a grown-up man, he's our father, he definitely knows better what's good for our family. And fast forward, when I turned 15, that's when the sexual abuse happened. And it happened very gradually. And I remember I, I got frozen when it happened for the very first time. I got frozen and I didn't know what to do. For, and for the 20 years, I was literally blaming myself that it wasn't my fault. The abuse happened for six years, as you mentioned, and it resulted in two pregnancies and in two forced illegal abortions. And I think one of the abortions damaged my reproductive system. Mm -hmm. um, when I left the house, when I, because I couldn't do this anymore. At 21, I felt suicidal. Did your mum, did she, what was the feeling around that? Did she know what was going on? Did you tell her or what happened with that area? I'm going to come to this point, but I can tell you, I saw how much she loved him, which later I realized it wasn't love. It was a codependent relationship. She was so afraid to lose him. So that's why she gave all the power away because in Russia back then, being a single mother of uh, two kids was very shameful. So she did everything just for him not to leave us. And I remember she was always saying, just be grateful that at least we have a father. Doesn't matter what he does to us. Mm -hmm. And so we learned, you know, being, we, I thought everyone lives like this and I have to obey the rules. And when I was 21, I, I couldn't do this anymore because as I said, it was a, such a heavy burden. It's a, such a lonely place when you struggle with all those emotions, you don't know how to deal with them. You're not, you know, bringing them out. You're just bottling them up, up, up. And when I, when I finally left the house, I, will, I, I thought, finally, I am out of this tyranny. But what I didn't realize is I brought everything with me. The, the shame, the guilt, lots of guilt, the pain, the confusion, the fear was just sitting inside me. And I didn't realize that it's actually impacting my adulthood life. Because when I, when I was 23, I moved to Australia, to Melbourne for love. And a few years later, I just realized that I literally married my stepfather. I attracted this man because that's what's something I used to. The physical, the mental abuse, the verbal abuse. 
and I literally knew what my husband, ex-husband would tell because that's how my stepfather was behaving. I also became a huge people pleaser. I was worrying a lot what other people would think of me. And if you meet me, Eleni, I would appear as a completely normal woman. You know, I had a good job, I had a car, I had friends, I had a relationships, I was smiling, but all those negative start emotions, they were destroying my soul from the inside. And once, and we talked about this, um, actually I will come, come later to this point, but I want to say that, well, I think when I try to make a, make, like when I meet my husband Laban, who I'm happily married now with, we wanted to start the family, but I was experiencing some challenges and altogether we had 18 consecutive miscarriages. Wow, so, incredible. Can we just go back a bit, like with regards to the relationship that you got into first when you first came to Australia, the one that you fell in love with and you came to Australia and you said, I basically married my stepfather. What was the, what attracted you to what was the attraction for you with him, with your first husband? What was the attraction? You know, for first, at the first uh, time, he seemed to be very caring, uh, very protective, uh -huh. very, like, very kind to me because all the relationships I was getting into were really with abusive men. And I mm. didn't realize that this is something to do with me. And so at the, at the beginning, my ex-husband just looked like, you know, such a wonderful, wonderful man. And then later, slowly, slowly, it became, it turned into overprotection, overcaring, um, jealousy. You know, over control, like literally he was controlling what I supposed to wear, who I supposed to talk to, um, where I supposed to go, who are my friends are. And it was, and I started recognizing my stepfather. It's like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, I see now. And slowly, slowly, I, I started to see the pattern. It's interesting that even at that young age, you did recognize the pattern. Like you saw the pattern, which is really big. It's a big insight. That, well, this is a pattern. I have just married my stepfather because he came in as a knight in shining armour and he was the big protector of our family. And then all of a sudden he, 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 he ruled us with an iron fist and it sounds like this is exactly what, what happened with, with your first marriage. Yes, and it, was, it wasn't more like I saw the pattern. I realized it later, but it was more about my feelings. I didn't feel well. And I remembered those feelings like when, you know, when I knew that my stepfather would be coming home at 5 p.m., my level of anxiety would start rising from maybe three to all the way to eight or nine. And every day I would... I didn't know what was happening. Every day I would start shaking before he would come because I knew if I'm at home by myself, the rap would happen. If not, 
he would just unleash his anger on us, on the whole family. So every time you know, you don't know what to expect from this person. Mm -hmm. And it was similar mm -hmm. that I was feeling in my relationships as well. That's a really interesting point. So what you're saying is it's not like you put the dots together and saw the pattern that didn't come till later, but what you, what you recognized was the feeling was the same. So you felt anxious with your stepfather and you felt anxious again with your, with your husband. And so then you realized that you weren't mm -hmm. in a good place, that this was not the place for you. Our intuition is always right. If you mm -hmm. feel like something is wrong, something is not good, trust your intuition because the first, the, the first signal what you hear is only the right one before your mind switches on and give and gives you yeah. <laughs> all the facts why you shouldn't do this or should. Yeah. Okay. So listen to that intuition, whatever it's saying to you, whatever you're feeling in your gut, they, you need to listen mm -hmm. to that before the analytical logical mind says, Oh, but you know, it's not so bad after all. Awesome. And so then exactly. you were talking about, about this relationship that you are now in and, um, you went through the process of trying to conceive a baby and how many miscarriages did you say you had? 18 altogether, including wow. three ectopic pregnancies wow. and uh, one ectopic wow. nearly climbed my life when I, when wow. I, my tube ruptured and I was bleeding internally and I ended up in a uh, operating theater very urgently. Like doctor told me you had minutes to leave. Wow, incredible. So with all that history, Anna, what would you say was the, the shame that you held? What was the cornerstone of, you knew that your stepfather did the wrong thing. You knew that you were effectively raped in the house by a trusted member of the household who ruled the house with an iron fist. So what was it, the thoughts in your mind as to why you were ashamed? Tell us about that. Can I say something, Eleni, before, before I jump in the, in the story? Um, I was walking one day and I was listening uh, to some motivational speech and someone told, you know, when you feel this shame, it's like a cancer. The more you keep it quiet, the, the, more, the longer you keep it inside the bigger it grows, the more it poisons the whole body. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I feel like the more I keep this secret, the more it becomes, it grows bigger and bigger and is getting like so overwhelming that I didn't know anyone to know what was happening to me. My shame, what I've realized through hypnotherapy was coming from my stepfather. He inserted this shame into me because when the abuse started, he threatened me with the life of my mom and my brother. And knowing what he's capable of, I believed him. Mm -hmm. And another moment when I grown up, when I, you know, started to more understanding what is happening, I started to try, I tried to fight back. And every time I would, he would tell me, ha, huh, who is going to believe you? Like I would, I would tell, don't touch me. I'm going to tell my mom. He would say, your mother is not, is not going to believe you. She's going to expel you from the house 
for what you are doing mm-hmm. and this what you are doing. what you are doing mm-hmm. really got me and you know i felt like i am a, a partner in this crime because i didn't say anything at the beginning but yelena you know what's what's interesting later on i realized why why i didn't tell anyone why i was so quiet why i was so afraid of you know going going and speak up is because i was conditioned to this thing i was already preconditioned i was already you know it was in my dna to obey the rules that my stepfather is right that he is literally a god for us and for me to go and say something that the god did something wrong who would believe me mm-hmm. yeah you know it was my word against him um and also i i saw how my how much my mom loves him and i i was so afraid to break her woman's happiness knowing how much struggle she went through with us and i felt guilty if i do something uh, like you know i don't want to be the one who broke your happiness and another thing was was going into, through my mind every time i would try to fight back uh with my stepfather he would go and unleash his rage on my younger brother and my mom and i couldn't see how much they were struggling and so i was trying to save my family to save them from this tyranny and so in terms of that's all the logic about it but you still felt shame inside of you because he said to you what you have done and so was there a part of you that even though you knew that you did not do this that believed that that you had done it was there a part of you that believed that to be honest probably not i was asking myself questions more uh, in terms of how, what did i do to attract this what mm-hmm. was my what was my um you know what did i do wrong maybe i provocated provocated okay. at some point you know because you don't know literally what kind of questions to ask yourself maybe it's not me no i was always blaming myself okay well then that is a part of you that believed it to be true then because you were blaming yourself and you were asking yourself what did i do so there was a part of you that actually believed that to be true because you reflected it back on yourself uh, and yes. said what did i do what did i do to bring this on was it something i wore was it something i did and um that that is what you were holding on to for so many years so how did you how did you how did you release that and how did you get the courage to speak about it it started when i was going through my miscarriage number 11 i literally broke the record at the royal women's hospital in melbourne with the most amount of miscarriages at those time and this is nothing not something i'm proud of but that i literally had a vip bed in the royal women's hospital 
<laughs> every <laughs> time I would end up with a miscarriage. Uh, and doctor, I, Yeleni, I went through so many tests, so many doctors. I, I tried like an IVF, like whatever, you name it. I tried it all. And then one doctor called me aside. He said, Anna, we can't find any physical reason why you're losing your baby. And he said, this is something to do with this, showing he, my, my head, and with this, with my heart. And I knew exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew how much Laban wants to have kids. And I just, I realized it's not fair for, him, for me to keep this secret out. That might be the main reason of preventing him from being dead. And I remember one, one day we had a conversation and I finally opened up. And I told him that I was sexually abused by my stepfather. And Helene, his reaction was the one I was always hoping for. He was so supportive. He became so caring. He just, you know, uh, put me in this bubble of love and care. And the reason why I felt comfortable to open it, open up to him is because Laban, from the very beginning of our relationships, was very open, very honest. He told me, you can ask me anything you want, unless, like as long as you're happy to hear the answer. And that's what made me to feel more comfortable and safe to open up. And he said, Anna, do you realize that's a huge trauma and you have to heal from it? First time I was like, no, I'm fine. Do I look like a crazy person? I, I dealt with that. I dealt with that. Yeah, yeah. We always <laughs> think that. He was, <laughs> uh-huh. He and he was the person who you met him at the event. And he said, you know what? Uh, it actually didn't happen at the very beginning because I went through uh, counselors, uh, psychologists, shamans, um, psyche specialists, and I felt like there was something else. There was something else is holding me back. Back is sitting very, very, very deep. And and then Laban said, "Let's try hypnotherapy. I know an amazing hypnotherapist who can help you." And first time. Yeah, we we met, we had a conversation, and I felt like this is something I want to try. And then when I started my hypnotherapy with a beautiful therapist, Yvonne, who you also, <laughs> you know, you know, and you work, she really brought me deep inside what was happening, the deep inside of my deepest, darkest feelings that I was so afraid to face, that I was constantly running away from, mm-hmm. not realizing that they were, you know, holding me back. Yeah. By releasing shame, I remember it wasn't easy. Probably our deepest, darkest, uh, the, the one thing that people are most afraid to face but that was a huge, huge release because when she took me all the way back to the very first event of the sexual abuse, when it happened, I saw myself lying and be held by my stepfather. And I looked at my 15 years old 
eyes and they were completely black completely black and i remember something changed in me when the first sexual abuse happened the this you know lovely beautiful uh kind girl died on this particular day and this darkness and this heaviness um it just you know was born in me and i saw this shame that was holding me back from telling what was happening to me because of what people will think of me what if i lose my friends what if i lose my work what if i lose my my mom and this shame was not really mine because i had nothing to i didn't do anything wrong that's what i realized during my hypnotherapy i couldn't do anything actually because i was trying to save myself and the freeze response was just my natural protection mechanism that happened to me absolutely you were in a place where this this was not expected you were in a, in your own home is where you expect to be safe it's not like you were walking the streets and all of, all of a sudden somebody jumped you this is this is your anchor this is where all children and all people not just children expect to be safe and you were completely blindsided and then you were threatened that if you did say the truth that your mother who's the only person that is your you know someone that you can trust something bad would happen to her there was so much going on for you that you know you saw that you you felt that she needed to have the safety of a of a husband because of her social standing you needed to have that you know impression that everything was okay and you basically decided that you will go through it you would do whatever it takes but to keep the family together and that's the you know, that's what what's the thing mhm the the more i speak about it the more i learn about it the more i realize that the perpetrator um most of the sexual abuse happens behind a closed door by someone you know and someone you trust yeah. and the perpetrator would know your weak points and so he will literally push those weak points and the one phrase can literally uh get you into this shame uh, emotion when he said what you did that's all mm-hmm. my fault my blaming myself and i was reading the book courage to heal i can't remember the author and they explain that the perpetrator always the one who, who to to blame because imagine a normal man if the 15 years old or even 20 years old girl would you know dora or stepdora would take your clothes off and would jump on his laps and start kissing him the normal responsible man will always push her away and say hey you have some problems here put the clothes on and let's talk doesn't matter what she does yeah, and exactly, that's really exactly. made me to realize there is nothing there's nothing you could have done that brought this on nothing at all absolutely mm-hmm. and then you had the courage of going back to russia and um telling your mom first testifying and yeah and you were 
terrified of, of having that conversation with her. And what happened when you finally told her? I was uh, probably coming home after my session number 11 of hypnotherapy, Yelene. And what's happened before, I was so afraid to tell her because I was so afraid to lose her, mm. not realizing that, you know, I didn't know how she's going to react because not many parents there are some cases when parents are believe you and understand you and support you, but so many cases where moms just turn turning against their daughters, and I wasn't ready. And during the hypnotherapy, I became like a, my own internal support, and I finally had the courage to tell her because no matter what would happen, I'm ready for any outcome. And after my 11th session, I was going home and I was like, I'm ready. And especially Yvonne was like, if you feel like you're ready, go for it. She gave me this confidence. And I called her on the video call and I said, mom, I have to tell you something. She said, what is it, daughter? I said, mom, I just want you to know that I forgave you. I forgave you for not being able to protect me. And she mm -hmm. said, what, thank you so much. What have I done? What's happened? What is on your, in your heart? And I said, mom, remember I was trying to tell you that I was sexually abused at 15? She said, yes. I was abused by my stepfather. And she was shocked. She paused. And she said, why didn't you tell me? I said, because I was afraid to lose you. And she said, Yeleni, Anna, even if the whole world will be against you, I will always be by your side. Whew, 20 years went in front of my eyes. And I thought, why did I wait for such a long time to finally tell her? Because every time I just wanted to yell and scream, mom, help, mom, help, please. And you know what's happened, Yeleni? Once when I opened up to her, she said, I'm so, so sorry. I knew that something is going on. I just couldn't bear a thought of him doing this to you. And she said, to be honest, Anna, I don't know how I would react at those times. And you know what's happened, Eleni? Our connection became so much stronger. She literally became a mama bear. She nearly killed him back in Russia <laughs> and she pressed, pressed criminal charges straight away. And then I had to fly back to Russia to testify against him. And in the process, because I was so prepared emotionally, mentally for any outcome, I could face him finally. I wasn't afraid of him anymore. And I testify against him and I knew that, you know, this story will go uh, across all the friends and people we know. And while I was in Russia, I realized that we don't really have uh, childhood sexual abuse survivors support in my hometown. And I wanted to do something. And I contacted the biggest publisher in our city and I told them my story. And the article went viral. 
I left my email address there saying, girls, if you are going through something similar and you have no one to talk to, send me an email. Hundreds and hundreds of emails. Mm -hmm. It took me eight weeks to respond to all of them. I still receive some occasionally from people asking for help. But in the process, I've realized how many people are out there are still struggling in silence, being afraid to tell this story. Yeah, yeah. And I decided to become the loudest voice for those people. Oh, incredible. Like when you were talking about your story about your mother, I literally had goosebumps all over my body and shivers because she finally stood with you by your side. It was 20 years later, but she did it. And she was completely honest and she said she doesn't know whether she would have had the courage to do it earlier. And, you know, and that's the thing also with our parents and with anybody that we have these experiences with is that, you know, they're doing the best they can with what they've got, with the awareness that they've got at the time. But the fact that she said those words to you, it's never too late. Like she's with you, she stood by you, she went and pressed charges, she was being your biggest supporter and um, that's just such a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, story, at the, you know, because your mother was your biggest ally in the end. And, um, and maybe we need to trust the people that we are friends with, that we are, have got family with. Like you said, you were surprised at Laban's reaction when you told him, you know, that if we open up, that we need to trust that the person listening will actually support us because you know what if they don't support us then we know that they're not our person so if if Laban didn't support you at the time that you told him he's not your person but he did because he is he is your person and now he's your husband and so we need to be open we need to share we need to trust that the person can receive that information with love and support And, you know, sometimes if if you feel, if you have a feeling that your family are not the people that you want to talk right now, find Mm -hmm. someone who you can trust, who you can talk to. Maybe someone who went through a similar experience or your therapist or hypnotherapist that you, you need to be ready yourself for any outcome, what's going to happen. Because... If I would be a 15 years old girl and I would go to the police and go through whatever I went through at the age of 33, uh, all these testimonials, uh, you know, lie, uh, lie detector, mental uh, uh, test, physical test, when people didn't trust me, when people were actioning me, when people were trying to make me emotional, you know, telling me all these mean things. I would probably kill myself, to be honest. But mm. now when I went through healing, through hypnotherapy, I was unstoppable. I was like, I have my why and nothing can break me. Clearly, because you, you went all the way, all the way, which is incredible. And you had the opportunity of so many other women, you know, release their shame because once you share it, you release it. And so you've given that gift to everybody else. You've given that incredible gift. So what would you say, you know, with all these catalysts and these big events that happen in our lives, there's always a gift there when even though it does not feel like it at the time. 
what would you say this situation, what gift have you received from it? So many gifts, Eleni, honestly. I became so resilient to any situation you can throw at me, to any challenge that the universe can throw at me. Because after what I've been through, there is mm -hmm. nothing that can stop me right now. Yes. And the biggest gift I've received is through hypnotherapy, is for me to learn the positive lessons about myself. And I was able to turn my trauma, my experience into my biggest fuel ever, into my triumph and into my power. And now I am able to help those people who are going through this experience because I know how they feel. I know what they think about and I know how to help them. And this, and it gives me such a fulfillment that I've been looking for for so many years. Now it brings me joy to see how people are changing and, and improving their life and improving their relationships. It's just amazing. Beautiful. So basically, and that's what happens with our catalyst moments and our big challenges in life, and yours was a huge one, is that it becomes your biggest superpower which means you're nothing, no one's got anything on you. There's no secrets that you're holding on to. You've shared your story. Other people are sharing their stories with you. You can help them in a way that you couldn't have before. We're not saying that we wish that you, we're glad that you had this, this experience, but this experience has become your superpower and that's the way that it works and we just don't know that at the time that we're going through it. And so what would be, if you know, if someone's listening to this right now, and they're resonating with your story, what would you like to say to them? I know how it feels. I know how scary it can be. And if you haven't opened up, it probably, it, it would seems like it's so far away and so impossible, but there is a possible. It, it's, it's easier than you think. If you would meet me five years ago, no way I would sit here and share my story. So my, my lesson for you probably, what I wanted to say to you is commit to your healing, commit to free yourself up from the tyranny of these stuck emotions, because if you won't, it will hunt you. It will manifest in all sorts of things, all sorts of diseases. But when you free yourself, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and everything just becomes so much greener, so much brighter, so much more enjoyable. But you need to commit to this. And the first step you can take is to find someone you trust and start slowly opening up. Beautiful. Thank you so much. What an amazing, courageous, brave, and I know you said that, um, you know, it's not brave, but it absolutely is brave that you are speaking about your story, that you are an ambassador for people in similar situations. You are courageous, very grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing. So Anna, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And we hope that uh, 
anyone who's listening or who knows someone who's going through something similar, please pass on this podcast because um, when we share the shame, we release the shame. And the shame does not need to define who we are. It's not who we are. It's an experience that we had. So thank you so much, Anna. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. We would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.